Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad to have Dr. Glenn Pickering in the studio. I'll be bringing him on in just a minute. I think it was last week we had the blooms on on Deep Thinker Thursday, and we opened up the topic of when was the last time you felt some desperation. And boy, did you respond. We had lots and lots of comments, and I thought, huh, might be a good topic for Glenn to tackle. Uh, When you feel overwhelmed, maybe you feel hopeless, Maybe you can't see a way forward. I think there's uh, everyone's in that position at some point in their life, maybe more than once, and you don't know really what to do. So we're going to ask Glenn how to kind of navigate through those topics, feeling overwhelmed and feeling hopeless. And we know our hope is in Christ, but sometimes there's other things that we have to look at and pray about and get a perspective, and he's going to help us do that. Uh, Glenn's a regular guest on the show. You know him uh, from his world-famous book, Playing Tag, which is the world's most common game. And it's a great book. If you do not have it, you must uh, uh, consider getting a copy. I've got a couple copies around here. So uh, you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, and I'll draw for, uh, I think i got three books in my library I can give away. So, and Glenn's website is Glenn with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. Glenn is... Uh, a um, engineer, then he went to seminary, and then he got his PhD in psychology. So he's he's uh, quite a quite an interesting mix, and all this all these disciplines produce really interesting perspectives. So we're gonna take sixty seconds and bring on Glenn. John chapter 14 says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Start your day with God's teaching by signing up for the Faith Radio Verse of the Day. Every morning, we'll send you a short passage of Scripture to encourage and uplift you. Sign up for this free service online at MyFaithRadio.com under the Subscriptions tab or text the word VERSE to 555-888. Let's face it, in a season of claims, promises, debates, and slick advertising, it's hard to know who's telling the truth. And you might be wondering that about Faith Radio. Is this truth you hear about the real deal? As you listen, we hope you find that the principles from the Word of God are proven over thousands of years, unchanged by trends, with a kingdom led by a king who has never been voted out. And that is something you can build a life on. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. All right, I'm certainly looking forward to this hour. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. If you missed the first three minutes of the show, you missed his glorious introduction. I'm not going through it again. Glenn, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, why would I go through that again, huh? I don't know. I yeah. boost my ego, I guess. That's I, nice. I, I don't mind that. <laughs> All right, when, I, when we chatted uh, about feeling desperate, it was, uh, it, I think it's it uh, connected to a lot of people. Sure. And those feelings, uh, those emotions, those feeling overwhelmed, feeling hopeless, feeling desperate... I would love for you to help us navigate through some of these. 
feelings and emotions. Great. I uh, I want to start by saying, you know, so often Christians sort of act like, well, we're supposed to look like we have it all together, and that if we don't have it all together, that somehow that shows that we're, you know, like lacking in faith, or there's something wrong with us, or we get all kinds of judgmental thoughts about that. And it's important to understand those thoughts aren't helpful, and they're for sure not biblical. Like, think you can flip to any page in the Psalms, and here's what you'll hear. Start at the beginning. Psalm 3 starts with, O Lord, how many are my foes? Like, they feel overwhelmed. Psalm 5, God, give heed to my groaning. I'm in pain. I just really feel sort of hopeless. Psalm 6, I'm languishing. My bones and my soul are troubled. I'm weary with mourning. This is the person who feels tired and helpless. And Jesus on the cross, you know, quotes Psalm 22, my God, why, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So it's not our job to pretend we have it all together or that we don't have struggles. In fact, it's actually our job to claim those struggles, to, and not to pretend we don't have them, but to actually claim them. Now, doesn't mean we're supposed to wallow in them. Doesn't mean we're supposed to make that into our identity. I'm the poor person who has all these problems. Because God wants us to not stay stuck. But let's be honest, sometimes we do get stuck. And we need to claim that that's true, because otherwise, how do I ever get out from here? I, uh, you know, you go to the mall and they show you a little sign that says, you are here. <laughs> and see, first you have to claim where you are <laughs> to figure out how to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going through a struggle... It's just important to claim that's what's happening to me. I am going through this struggle. This is really hard. I feel overwhelmed or sort of hopeless because until I claim it, God can't really show me a way out because I'm pretending I'm not there. I'm somewhere else at the mall. <laughs> and I just have to really start with this is where I am. And so I just think the Bible is really clear. We don't ignore our pain. We claim it. Mm, not I really like it, that. But claim it. Thanks. So, Glenn, if, yeah. if, if I say if, if I don't know where I've been, it might be hard to know who I am, and if I don't know who I am, it's hard to know where I'm going. Exactly. And okay. so I just think it's just part of who we are. I mean, my joys and my victories are also part of who I am. I want mm-hmm. to claim those too. Yeah, yeah. But I also want to claim my struggles because that's an important part of how God leads me forward. And I always think God's message to me is, oh, Glenn, I'm trying to create an amazing new world for you, starting from where you are right now. Are you coming? Okay. So God always starts with me right where I am. Well, that means if we're going to be in a Christian walk, we always every day start with where we are. And if where I am is, hey, a lot of good things are happening, and there's a couple things going on that are just really difficult, well, that's where I am. Mm. And, and I want to claim that to begin with. All right. Is that a generational thing, Glenn? Is there the previous generation, they were able to take their pain and, and completely ignore it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that worked real well for them. <laughs> I'm not saying it worked well, but I'm just saying, you know, that's how they... See, I think, processed it. I think, I don't think it's so much a generational thing, although I, I love what you just said. It's very funny to me and probably true. But I just think Jesus struggled with the Pharisees for the same reason. You guys are so busy trying to look like you have it all together. Yeah. You guys are so busy looking like you don't have any struggles instead of claiming your struggles and doing something about it. Who wants to look like a mess, though, Glenn? Uh-huh, exactly. Christians, apparently, if you're really serious about your faith. <laughs> yeah. But we don't necessarily like that. So Yeah, you go we, first. Yeah, we literally have to get past our sort of legalistic wanting to focus on how we look as opposed to really, really letting God, like it says in Hebrews, really evaluate our heart and talk about, no, where am I actually, not how do I look. Yeah. And we've got to get past that part for sure. Now, there's plenty of brothers and sisters uh, in Christ who would say if you claim something, yep. uh, you are doing yourself a disservice. 
Yeah, that seems crazy to me. And I just think Jesus said, I'm the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So I just want to start off with an honest evaluation of where I am. There's something incredibly freeing about just being that honest, and Jesus was very clear about that. What if you share that that pain or whatever it is that you're feeling uh, is your issue, mm-hmm. and your loved ones tell you no, no way. you have it wrong? Well, uh this is listening 101, I guess. Um, if somebody in my life tells me that they're struggling, it's not my job to judge whether that's true or whether they should be struggling or even if it's their fault. It's my job to only ask that godly question, how can I help? Okay. I like that. Yeah. And to not even decide for them how I should help them. We were talking before we went on the air about how often people um, give me answers for questions I'm not asking. I'm really tired today. Well, you should. Yeah, see, I didn't ask you that. <laughs> so, yeah. so I just think if somebody in their life's going through pain, it's not our job to judge it, fix it, or even decide what they should do. It's just our job to ask questions like, how can I help? So, okay, that's how we build community. So the Bible is clear. Like I said, we don't ignore our pain, we claim it. And Romans 12, 15 makes it clear, and we claim it in public. It says, Paul says, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. See, Our joyful times and our difficult times are supposed to be a time that we go through in community. So we not only have to claim to ourselves that it's happening, just be honest between me and God, I have to be honest with the people in my life about that that's what's happening. Because the meaning of community, honestly, is that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And so if we're in pain, we can't think it's our job to hide it from ourselves or from God or from other people. It's, It's unbiblical for one thing. But it also keeps the rest of us from understanding you or supporting you or praying for you or doing anything that even might be helpful to you. So it's just really important that we claim our struggles and that we claim it publicly. What if you've had what I would call some spiritual abuse in your past mm-hmm. and you've been told, well, you don't have enough faith. That's right. why you're I know. feeling and, melancholy today. And honestly, there are people who have said that to me and it is stunningly unhelpful. Mm-hmm. See, if I have faith, really and truly, I don't pretend I have struggles, I claim it. Which takes more guts, to pretend I don't have struggles or to claim those struggles out loud when my friend asks me how I'm doing? Mm-hmm. The first one requires no faith in God or in anybody else, because I just think I'll just keep it to myself. But the second one requires that I have faith in God and in my brothers and sisters that I'm sharing that story with. So. Faith means I'm actually willing to claim my struggles to God and to the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and if you have a question, we'll be more than happy to take it in text form, 877-933-2484. We're talking about feeling a little desperate. Maybe you're feeling a little overwhelmed or hopeless, and that can just be a, a time and that Glenn says, let's not ignore our pain, let's claim it. And that's part uh, one for getting unstuck. Is that right, Glenn? You got it. All right. We'll take a short break. When we come back, lots more with Dr. Glenn Pickering. Again, you can jump over to his website, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, glennpickering.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. We're talking uh, today 
about feeling uh, desperate and maybe a little overwhelmed. And if you're feeling hopeless at times, that seems to be where a lot of people find themselves at some point in their life. Maybe you're there right now, and you can reach out to us with a question, 877-93-FAITH. And Glenn, uh, let's move on. Great. I'd like to just wrap up our little last part just for a second by okay. saying this, that all the listeners, if you're in a Bible study or a men's group or a women's group, and you don't do the community part where you share your struggles, your joys, and your concerns, you're really missing out on the Christian part of that group. And here's what I mean. I think we're literally called a living community. We're called to love God with our whole heart, love our neighbor as ourselves. So I think every time I go to church, every time I go to Bible study, every time I'm singing with the choir, I want two things. I want to experience God's presence, and I want to feel that I'm part of a community. Okay. And so if I get together for a Bible study, and all we do is sort of talk theologically about what that passage means or what that word means, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't talk about how that passage addresses the pain I'm struggling with today or helps me illuminate why I'm feeling so joyful today or gives me a path forward to sort of deal with something I've been struggling with. But those words are so helpful because now I understand this. If we don't talk about us and the struggles we're having, and the way that that passage or that reading or that book that we're doing addresses that struggle or that joy. See, we're not building community. We're only talking about theology. And uh, I just love, I love reading books about Christians who die and cross over and then come back and tell us what it's like on the other side, that near-death experience. And oftentimes I'll say things like, well, I tried to tell God about my theology, but God just laughed, <laughs> which makes so much sense to me. God doesn't need a theology. <laughs> God, is, God did not need a theory about God, since God is God. So, if we get together with those groups and think our only job is to make sure our theology is right, so like, see, we're actually missing the whole point. We gather to honor God and to build community with one another. And we build community by talking about how this passage is relevant to my life right now in the place that I am. We share our joys and our concerns. That's how we build community. All right, so... I think that's one of the number one concerns listeners have on Faith Radio is they would like to have a deeper understanding of God's Word, and then how does it apply to their lives? Right, exactly. That's really key, right. really key to understand and key to be reminding ourselves that that is such an important point. Right, because if we don't do that part, then really we are just having sort of a cognitive discussion about theology, and that is mildly interesting, but it's not actually helpful to our faith walk. Mm-hmm. All right, Glenn, so cool. let's talk about... the feeling overwhelmed because I, you know, there's, that's a lot of people every week. Right. Yep. And if you're listening, I want to say this, if you're feeling overwhelmed and for sure all of us do it sometime or another, maybe it's particularly intense for you right now. My years and years of practice would suggest that one of the three things is likely to be happening to you. Now again, we're all different, so I don't want to be too simplistic about it. But one thing, one of the three things that might be happening to you if you're feeling overwhelmed is you might be going through a time of grieving. You lost a job, you lost a house, you lost a relative, a friend that's close to you. Something happened in life that was really disappointing, hard to deal with, and you're grieving. And I want to say this if you are. A, my heart goes out to you. B, it's important to let yourself grieve, and here's how come. See, if we're grieving, we're likely to feel overwhelmed, and here's how come. Because when we're grieving... First of all, our mind and our heart have to get our sort of our brain around, wow, that really happened. I really did lose that person or that job or that house. That part of my life is really never going to be the same again. And it takes a while just to really get our mind around that. You know, I said on this show once a long time ago, 
about how my dad died when I was 19. And even months later, I'd read an article in the paper, and I think, oh, dad would love this. Oh, crud. I think I was going to show it to him. You know what I mean? It literally takes a while for us to really get our mind around, wow, that's really just done. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that starts, then our spirit starts working on the question, okay, well, then now what? And so people who are going through grieving tell me they feel a little schizophrenic sometimes. Like sometimes I'm just really sad, just really coming to terms with that. But sometimes I kind of get excited thinking, okay, well, what will I do from here now? And I think, and that takes a lot of our internal time and energy. Our brain and our heart and our spirit are all working on those things. So I'm just not going to get a lot done. I'm going to have a whole lot less energy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when people are going through a grieving time, they're like, Clint, I have so much I want to get done, but every day I don't get much done. And I think, and then they start feeling overwhelmed because they feel like, well, I can't do all the things I need to do. And if you're in that position, I want to just say to you as gently as I can, yeah, you can't. For a little while, while you're grieving, you're not going to get as much done. It's just true. So if you're in that place, it's important to do two things. One, allow yourself time to grieve. So if there are times you feel sad, instead of thinking, no, I've got to push through it. I hear people say things like that all the time. We're just trying to stay busy. I think, no, well, see, you're not letting yourself just be sad. And sometimes they're not letting themselves be sad because they think, boy, if I started letting myself be sad about that, it'd be like a damn breakaway train. And I'm going to be sad for millenniums. But here's what I know. Our emotions only last for a few minutes. They were designed by God to be very, very short, actually. And I'll talk more about that if we have time. But so if I... I'm going through a time, I'm missing my dad, I'm missing the job, I'm missing that person I used to hang out with, or who knows what. And I let myself just think, and I, in my prayer time to God, I just say, God, this is really sad. This is really hard. This, this really makes my heart sad. And I'm going to cry about it for a minute or be sad about it for a minute, but in a minute or two, I'm going to kind of be ready to go do something else. Because that's how grief actually works. That's how all of our emotions work. If somebody says to me, hey, Glenn, I just got a new promotion at work, I'm thinking, oh, great, that's so good. And a few minutes later, I'm going to be doing something else, right? And I'm going to be <laughs> thinking about something else. That's, yeah. just, that's the nature of emotion. So it's important if I'm grieving to let myself grieve. But it's also important to give myself a way shorter to-do list. Because that's an act of grace. To just understand, I'm just not going to get as much done. So I could judge myself for that, or I could fuss about it, or I could push myself through it, or I could just acknowledge for a little while, while my brain and my heart and my spirit are really, really working on sadness, and I'm figuring out where to go from here, I'm just not going to get as much done. So if they ask me at church, hey, Glenn, can you volunteer for this experience, for this thing, to lead this? I'm going to say, not right now. Ask me in a little while if you want to again. Right now, I probably can't because I just need to understand. The number of things I can do is just not as big a number as it usually is. Go ahead and say anything else you want about that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about when you were talking about grief and and mourning some losses. Mm -hmm. What if there is a cumulative amount of losses that you're reminded of? reminded of all the time you know, for example go ahead um, it's raining out i remember when i used to be able to run to my car i'm not speaking personally right now because i can <laughs> still run to my car but <laughs> where for some reason you can't run anymore right. so now you're just being reminded as you're getting soaked getting to your car because right. you yep. forgot your umbrella right. that i can't run anymore right and, and and the nature of grief is that that will always be true for example um which is why when i said the part of grieving is to understand, wow, that's really gone. I'm not, it's not just, hey, my dad died, so I'm not going to see him for a little while. I will not see my father again on this earth. Well, that's a long time. I will never again run the way I used to be able to run while I'm on this earth. That's a long time. It's a big so, loss. Yes, it's a big loss. And how often will I be reminded of that still all these years later 
somebody's having a father and daughter's work day and or yeah. bring your kid to work day or blah 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 yeah. or they're going to talk about how the, him, them and their dad went fishing and it was yeah. so fun father's day at church and i'm going to get a whole lot of reminders my whole yeah. life my dad's gone and he's been gone a long time mm-hmm. and that's just true same with my legs hurt same if somebody in my life dies same if i even just lost a job they used to have a job working for the state and now honest to gosh every time i hear somebody talk about the state of minnesota i get triggered because i think oh man i used to love doing that job you know what i mean <laughs> i mean yeah the nature of grief is that there will be those continual reminders. And yeah. sometimes people are like, Glenn, I thought I've done grieving. But then this weird thing happened two days ago, and I started crying again. I think, wait. Because even though I've done the work of really coming to terms with it, the truth is there will still be weird little random reminders along the way. And I probably will be a little bit sad for a little while. That will happen. Yeah. And so when people say, I should be over that by now, I think, yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah. A listener jumped in with this, Glenn. I struggle with feelings that I don't like my life. It's not something I can easily share because even I look at my life and I find no objective reason for my feelings. Great. I love that question. So honest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it could be a loss. It could also be um, that there's something you really, really want to be doing with your life that somehow you're telling yourself you can't have or can't do. And I would just, just ask you gently to give that some prayerful thought. When you say, I'm not happy with my life, it's important to say, okay, what is it that I feel like is missing? Because it's easy for people to say, well, Glenn, you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't feel like you're missing something. You got a wife, you got a great house, you got a car, blah, blah, blah. Uh huh. But maybe I'm missing a sense of caring for kids because I've always done that and now I don't have that in my life. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that feeling is there for a reason. So I don't want to blow it off or dismiss it or tell myself I shouldn't feel like that. I want to go to God in my prayerful time and say, God, show me what's missing because something clearly is. Oh, that's great counsel. Thank you. I love that. Go to God and say, show me what's missing. That's right. a pretty simple prayer. Yeah. And everybody can pray that if they're feeling that that uh, emptiness. Right, or that sense of restlessness. Some people say, Glenn, I'm getting kind of restless. And I think, huh? Are there something your spirit knows you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing? Mm. And so, again, I'm just going to ask people to just go to God in prayer and say, God, what is it that you put on my heart, that my spirit knows you put on my heart, that somehow I haven't really picked up on, I'm not hearing clearly, I'm not getting it quite right. Show mm-hmm. me a picture, show yeah. me a word, show me a person. How should I listen for that? How, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even just to even just ask that question. Yeah. God, how should I? Yeah. Keep that part of the, the right. request. Yep. All right. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. If you have a comment or a question, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Kind of a heavy subject, but I think we're dealing with it in a very uh, straightforward way. If you're feeling a little overwhelmed or maybe hopeless, okay, uh, we'll get you out of that place. We're going to get that uh, taken care of for you today. Let us know if you have a question, 877-93-FAITH. Glenn's website is glennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's. But I bet if you type it with one end, you'll still get there. I have no idea, but yeah. you can try and see All what right. happens. <laughs> we'll take a short break and be back in just about 90 seconds.
Welcome back to the program. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. Let us know what your questions are. 877-93-FAITH. Glenn, here's one that just came in. Okay. Can you speak to ambiguous loss and how to cope with the perpetual nature of it facing a spouse with significant chronic health, which limits the ability to engage in daily activity? Oh, that's that's hard, honestly. I um, I would start off by saying, but that's not ambiguous. By which I mean, um, well, years ago, a friend of ours lost a child who died tragically when they were only like a year and a half old. And he said to me one day, Glenn, what's really, there's two losses there for me. And I was like, yeah, like what? And this was years ago before I understood any of this. He said, well, I lost my child. That's sad. He said, so there's the death of the child, but there's also the death of all the dreams I had for that child. All the things we're going to do together, all the fun activities we're going to have, all the fun it was going to be to see him grow up, blah, blah, blah. And see, the problem with dealing with that health crisis that really limits your life is you're dealing with loss on those same two levels. I mean, there are very specific things that are happening every day that are painful or that are hard to deal with. That's absolutely true. But there's also then every day the loss of the dream of how you thought you were going to spend these years. You probably thought you were going to be traveling or spending fun time together or visiting kids or family or volunteering at church, and here you are doing this instead. Mm-hmm. And both of those are hard. And I think if I'm going to grieve in a godly sort of way where I just really claim my sadness, it's important that I claim my sadness about both of those things. It's sad that my partner is hurting and in pain, and it's sad that there are ways I was hoping we would be living our life right now that are not happening. And, um, and those are both sad. And I have to just claim, yeah, that's sad. And, um, and out of that will come a sense about, okay, I'm going to clear idea now from God about how I can move forward. But first I have to claim the sadness. And I have to claim it on both of those levels because they're both happening. Great answer. Thank you. Another one jumped in. Glenn, I'll just... Okay. Put this one out there. How do you handle grieving and mourning when you have lost a job, a home, a family, and a long-term significant relationship out of nowhere? Right. When that happens, and something not very dissimilar to that happened to me, there's actually two things that happen. One is grief, the grief about that loss. There's also the thing I can only call shock and trauma, which... Maybe it's not even the right way to talk about it, but it's the only way I've come up with so far. So it's one thing to lose home, family, things like that, that are so important to us. But to have it feel like it was sudden or out of the blue or unexpected means it's also a shocking thing that happened. Like I'm literally in shock. So even before I can start grieving, really, sort of getting over the loss of that, first of all, I have to get, I have to let myself go through that time where I think, what happened? How did that happen? Is this even real? Because it feels so surreal for a while. It's going to feel like you're walking around like this doesn't even feel real to me. And to know, right, that's the shock part. That's the trauma part. And it honestly takes us a while to go through that before we can even start grieving. And it's important to know that that's going to happen, that you're going to walk around feeling like you're literally in shock for a while. And, um, and it's really, really true. It's a shocking thing when something like that happens. Or if you get fired unexpectedly or come home and find your partner in bed with somebody when you thought you guys were doing great. Or, like, there's not just a loss. There's a shocking loss. Mm-hmm. And it literally just takes a while for our mind and spirit to even get, get its mind, our hearts around, wow, that really happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tragic. Yes. 
right, if when we're feeling overwhelmed, we we tell ourselves certain things, Glenn. Let's right. let's go through some of those. Great. I think we're very likely to feel overwhelmed. And people have heard me talk before about how I think everything goes think, feel, do. You know, our thoughts drive our feelings, and our feelings drive our behavior. And so if I think thoughts, and I hear people say this one a lot, like, Glenn, I just feel like I have to do everything myself. Maybe it's at home or at church or at work. But basically that thought, I have to do everything, will literally always in the end set us up for feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is the feeling that comes from the thought, I have to do it all myself. Now, sometimes people grew up in families where, you know, even if they asked for help, they got abused and neglected. And so finally they just came to the conclusion, I just have going to have to do it myself. And, and I get in that situation that that's probably the most constructive way forward. Just think, well, I'm just going to be independent. I'm going to do it myself as best I can. And that's an okay way to deal with a situation where I'm literally surrounded by people who will not help. But see, if I keep that thought going forward in the rest of my life, once I'm an adult, maybe I'm married, I've got kids, or I've got a job, I have colleagues, I have people I work with at church, who knows what. If I still keep that same approach, but I have to do it myself... Um, I will always end up feeling overwhelmed and I'll always end up upsetting all the people who think they're on my team. Now, when I tell myself things like I have to do everything myself at home, at work, with the kids, it's all on me, um, we're showing a real lack of trust in other people, of course. Like we can't really count on them because they won't do it right. But we're also not really trusting God that we're going to be all right no matter what. See, Mary, when Jesus visited, just sat by his feet and listened. But Martha thought, oh, no, there are chores that have to be done. It's so important. They have to be done. And God is mostly saying to us in the midst of most of our busyness, well, actually, it doesn't really, Glenn. (laughs) A lot of the things you spent your time panicking about today and thinking you had to do probably weren't even very important, really. Did you get in your Bible time? Did we pray enough together? Were you reaching out? Did you listen to your mom when she called you up and asked for help? Did you do the important things? <laughs> Let's see if we think, oh, I got to do everything. We literally miss the things that are really important. And those are the things that would help us feel more at peace or more calm or more fulfilled or more like we're on the people's team. So we're showing a lack of trust in others. We're showing a lack of trust in God who tells us it's going to be okay. And we're also showing a lack of trust in ourselves. Like, I got to take care of this right now. As if, hey, you know what? I don't have to have everything figured out ahead of time. The truth is, I'll be able to figure stuff out as we go along, which is actually what happens anyway. No matter what my plan is, as soon as life actually starts, that plan's going to get changed, at least some, right? I think I'm going to get to the park at 9 o'clock and be with my friends, and we're going to get there and find the park only opens at 10 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, always. So if I think, no, no, i got to decide ahead of time how things are going to be to make sure they go the way they should go, see, I will make myself um, overwhelmed a lot. And I'm not trusting in other people or in God or in my own self. So be glad to hear people have comments or thoughts about that before we talk about how you wanna, might want to deal with that. Another question, Glenn, why right. do I have such a problem being around people who seem to be happy and positive all the time? Um, because they're not. <laughs> I... My great aunt, who's now 100, and who's actually living at the nursing home, I just found out, who's across the street from the studio, so that's kind of cool. My great aunt, Lorraine, she taught me this thing years and years ago. We were out to lunch one time, and she said to me, Glenn, I like you so much better now. <laughs> she saw that look on my face like, I'm not quite sure how to take that. And she said, no, 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 I've always really liked you. I've always admired you. I've always looked up to you. I always, you know, thought you were really great. 
And she said, but, you know, for a long time, you always felt to me like a sort of beautiful stainless steel ball, perfectly polished, perfectly smooth. Couldn't find a way in. I could admire it, but I couldn't find a way in. But now you're more likely to talk about the struggles or what you're working on or the things that you're learning. You ask for my advice. You ask for my feedback. And she said, it's just so much easier to find a way in. And she told me this really powerful thing. We connect on the level of our struggles. The way in Bible study, if we can't talk about how the Bible relates to the struggles I'm having, we're not going to connect to each other. That's what community looks like. So the problem with being around people or pretend they're always happy is they don't give me a place to connect with them. And so I am going to feel awkward feeling unconnected. So if I ask my friend John, hey, John, how's it going? Oh, everything's fine for me. Everything's perfect in my world. I think, okay. I might be happy for them. I might even be a little jealous, but I'm not going to feel connected to them. But if my friend John said, well, mostly things are going pretty well, but, you know, my teenage daughter, honestly, sometimes I just want to rip my hair out of my head. I'm going to think, yeah, I get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We connect when we claim our struggles. So, yes, it's hard to connect with people who pretend they don't have struggles because that's how we connect. And I wonder sometimes is it do I want to go down that road with this person? Mm-hmm. Do I just do I have the energy to have them probe with more questions? Right. You know, sometimes you're trying to just get to uh, the next appointment you've got or and you're trying to be vulnerable with your friends, but right. you don't want to have to drag out your difficult feelings. Well, so you sure. might fake like things are better than they are. Yeah, and there are people who are safe to share my stuff with, and there are people who are not safe to share it with, so that's just true. But if I'm going through a struggle, and I'm with a person who actually I know is safe and really does care about me, then I need, and they ask me how I'm doing, I need to take that opportunity to just actually be honest with them because it really is all about creating community. And so if I'm going having a fine day, but my friend is struggling, I'm not going to say, okay, well, I'll see you later. I'm going to take a few minutes and ask what's happening. You know, because I want to be there to connect with them. Well, see, if I'm the one that's struggling, it's the same way. If my friend wants to be there for me, then I need to take a couple minutes and actually do that connecting. Because in the end, love your God and love your neighbor as yourself are the only two things we're here for. Yeah, sometimes you get people that say, how are you? And my reply will be, you you said that like you really meant it. Yeah, I know. I say to people now, if you're not asking that question, please stop doing that. Yeah. Hi, how are you? As they walk past me. Well... (laughs) I'm left a little perplexed by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Oh, hmm. Yeah. So I say to all you listeners, if you actually are asking that question to the other person, hey, how are you? Great. But if you're not actually asking, please, honestly, just be honest and say hi. Because, <laughs> see, that's an important question. That's where we connect with each other. And you're acting like you want to connect while sending clearly the signal that you don't. So I would just ask you to be just as honest about that as you can. And if you're actually asking, how are you doing? I want you to be ready to take one minute and listen to the answer if you actually mean the question. All right, Glenn, let's talk about uh, how we are not in the present. Okay. Um, God exists in the eternal right now. So Moses says to God, who shall I say sent me? God said, tell him I am sent you. So I only connect to God literally in the present moment. So if I get all anxious about the future, I go there without God. If I dwell in the past and kick myself about all my mistakes, I go there without God. And I will feel anxious because anxious, remember, think, feel, do. Anxious is a feeling that happens when I think I'm alone. Well, if I go in the future or the past, I do go there alone and I will get anxious. And then I get overwhelmed because now I think now I have to do it all myself, which honestly, if I'm not in the present, is actually true. So the reason every spiritual 
discipline, singing songs, having prayer, reading the Bible, joining with my men's Bible study group, blah, blah, blah. They're all just ways of getting actually in the present because that's where God exists. And so I can only have a relationship with our Lord in the present. So if I'm overwhelmed, there's a very, very high probability at that moment that I'm not actually in the present. A friend of mine always says, Glenn, you have to be where your feet are. <laughs> I think about that pretty often. So just the other day, this happened to me. I, um, I was feeling sort of anxious and a little overwhelmed, and I was sitting in my office. So my office looks out on this sweet little woods and a little lake in the back of it. So I just, I just stood there for a minute. I looked at the lake, and I looked at the woods, and the sun shining through my windows, and the sweet little office I get to practice in, and that fun little chair I have with the arm worn off of it because I sit in that chair so much. <laughs> and I was just so aware in that present moment how glorious that moment was. And I did not feel overwhelmed or anxious or alone. I felt so clearly God's presence around me. So I just want to say to people, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's entirely possible that you're not spending very much of your time in the present and that whatever spiritual discipline you find comes most naturally to you, being in nature, prayer, reading your Bible, talking to other people, singing Christian songs. It's important to do that so that you can come back to the present because in the present, we will not be overwhelmed. So when Jesus said, why be anxious about tomorrow? He's trying to say the same thing. If you want to call on me, if you want to call on our Father, it need to be here, which again, is part of why from the beginning I said I have to claim my pain because if that's where I am in the present moment and I want to experience God's comforting presence, well, presence means in the present <laughs> So I have to come back to the present. And if what I'm dealing with in the present is that I feel really sad, then in my prayer time, I just start by saying, God, I feel really sad today. I'm just really struggling. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's actually true. All right. The 45 minutes after the hour, ice cream truck just showed up. So we're going to take a little break. We'll be back in 90 seconds. (laughs) Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. Go to glennpickering.com. He offers this uh, lovely offer about midway down the front page where he says, look at... uh, I will talk to you, a free 20-minute consultation. And I I promise you can get a lot out of Glenn in 20 minutes. Again, glennpickering.com. We'll take a short break. Be right back. Mark's coming in. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. So, Glenn, let's go back to this idea that we need to ask for help, but when we get the help, what if we don't like the way the help is coming in? Yeah, that's, I I was struck by this a little while ago. I was counseling with a couple, and she said, basically, I have to do everything myself. And the husband said, honey, I want to help. What can I do to be helpful? What's the first step? And she said, I hate loading and unloading the dishwasher every day. If you would do that, that'd be great. He said, okay, I'm up for that. So I see him the next week. First thing I do is I ask the guy how to go unload in the dishwasher. And he said, I only did it once. And I said to him, how come? And she blurts out, because he didn't do it right. I had to do it over again. (laughs) See, we have to understand when people help us, they're not going to do it the same as we do. And that part of us that is in control, that wants to think I have to do it all myself to make sure it goes right, then when we delegate, we still think I have to make sure they do it right to make sure it goes right. So I still think really I'm still operating under that mistaken belief that I have to make sure it goes right. But here's the deal. Turns out there are lots of ways to load the dishwasher and they all work just fine. (laughs) So 
So if you ask somebody to help you, just know this. Of course they will help you in a way that's slightly different than you did. If you ask them to babysit your kids, they're going to play different games with them than you do. If you ask them to do the dishwasher, they're going to put them in a little different order than you might have. If you ask them to sweep the carpet, they're going to do it in a different order of rooms than you do it or a different pattern than you do it. And it's your job to say, thank you, as a way of letting go of the belief that somehow it has to all go a certain way because it turns out it just doesn't. <laughs> and that was, I, we can all get stuck in thinking, my way is the same as the right way, but we have to understand there are always about 100 right ways. <laughs> and, and that thinking there's only one right way is part of what makes us anxious and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What if they don't do it right is an overwhelming thought. All right, here's a question from a yeah. listener. Any thoughts for a 60-year-old who has ADHD? Staying in the present is really hard. <laughs> now, I'm married to the ADHD poster child, so I get this one. Okay. <laughs> I had an ADHD client once who I talked about, you know, having more of a prayer life, and he gave me sort of a bitter laugh because he couldn't even sit still in our session. He would walk around in that room in our, during our session. So he said, yeah, Glenn, like, I'm going to sit in a chair for 30 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to do that. <laughs> you can't sit here for two. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, tell me all the times you feel at peace. And he, as he was paced around, he talked about when he rides his bike, when he paints his house, when he mows his lawn, et cetera, et cetera. And it was clear to me what all those had in common was he could be most at peace when his body had something to do that didn't take a lot of thought. Because then all that energy had a place to go, so then he could just sort of focus on his prayer time. So he would pray when he rode his bike, when he's painting his house, when he's riding the lawnmower, when he's fixing his roof. Great. I don't care. That's right. I mean, God comes to every one of us where we are. So if for you, being in motion, like maybe, you know, you're at the gym peddling one of those little machines around, I don't know, if that helps you and then you have your little prayer book in front of you while you're doing that, great. Anything that lets that energy go someplace while you're trying to focus is great. Mm, okay. Let's go to this other idea of mm-hmm. feeling hopeless when we can't see an easy way forward. Right. Now, oftentimes when clients come to me, They'll say, Glenn, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. And I think, yes, you tried everything that starts with your same set of assumptions. And so, you know, Einstein used to say, the same brain that got me into this problem is not going to get me out of this problem. And so I realized I can't help them by starting from the same place. So if they say, my kid won't obey me, and I've tried everything. What they mean is, I've tried every punishment I can think of, and it doesn't work. So then they look at me like, what should I do? Like, what other form of punishment should I do? And see, I think if I start from the same place they are, that what this calls for punishment, we just got to find the right one. I'm not going to be helpful to them. So I'm going to say something like, well, what if you rewarded them for doing it right? And they're going to give me that line about how I shouldn't have to bribe my children to do the right thing. I think, yeah, right. I do my job even though nobody pays me and people treat me like crap. No, they don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? We all do stuff because what? Because it's a great way to use our gifts because we feel used and valuable and we get paid for it. Come on. So, anyway, so it's not helpful for me to stay with that same assumption. we just got to find the right punishment. So it's my job to help them literally start from a different place. Like, let's start with thinking, hey, instead of noticing what you don't want them to do, does your kid know what you do want them to do? And they look at me a little blankly sometimes. But I think, see, if I, my kid's doing something wrong, I say, stop doing that. They say, okay. So they go away, and then a couple of days later, I notice they're doing the same thing. I said, I told you not to do that. And they're going to look at me, and they don't have the words to say it, but they're going to think, yeah, but you didn't tell me what I should do. So I still don't know how to handle this situation, so I'm going to do it the same way I did last time because I don't literally don't know any yeah. better. I need to know what the right way would be. And then I need a little encouragement every time I do it the right way. Like, hey, honey, thanks. That was really great. That was so good. I love that. So 
oftentimes we feel hopeless because we're sort of stuck on the same starting place. And, um, and sometimes couples come in and their marriage isn't going well, and they say, Glenn, I, one of them says, Glenn, I won't do this for one more day. And I think they expect me to be worried or scared or anxious, and I think, oh, great. Because <laughs> they think that means the marriage is over, and I think, no, the way you do the marriage has to be over. You can't keep starting from the same starting place you are and think you're going to get to a happy marriage. But once you get, oh, my way really doesn't work, Glenn, I think, great. Because now you're probably open to a different way. What's a different way to go about this? What's a different starting place? So what I see then is um, when it says in Romans about how, you know, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, I think, right. So we need people to help us start from a new place. So um, if somebody called me up and wants to complain about their wife, I'm going to listen for a minute, and then I'm going to say, okay, cool. Well, what part of that was your part? Everything's 50-50. What part was your 50, and how do you want to start working on your 50? This is when I find out if they're actually serious about transformation or not. You know, they really only called me to complain about their wife, then that conversation is going to end pretty fast. <laughs> but if they really, really want a better marriage, they're going to stay. wow, that's a really helpful question. I need to pray about that. Yep, <laughs> that's all true. That's a different starting place. Why is my wife so messed up? Not a helpful starting place. What's my half of that, and how could God show me to do that differently? Now, that's a really great starting place. Same problem, different starting place. So often we get hopeless because we're stuck on our starting place. And the Bible can help us, prayer can help us, God can help us, other people can help us. Honestly, we just need somebody to help us figure out a way to start from a different place than the one we're starting from. Because what we know for sure is starting from where I start does not work. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to think, great, what's a better starting place? What's a different starting place? I love that. Cool. So, Glenn, in your book, yep. uh, Playing Tag, You're mm-hmm. Not It, um, talk about a situation where people are playing frozen tag. We've mm-hmm. got uh, three minutes left. Okay. I would love for you to uh, describe that scenario. And then if two people are in a standoff situation, uh, how they move into an arena where they can uh, reconnect. Okay, so frozen tag just means... Um, I've learned when I come home and you ask me, hey, how's your day? And I tell you, you say, how many times do I got to tell you? Don't do it like that. You tell John, Nick, them you see him. Oh, boy. So eventually my wife says, hey, how'd your day go today at work? And I say, oh, fine. So I'm still in the room. I'm not physically absent, but emotionally, interpersonally, really just frozen. There's nothing happening there. That's what you mean by frozen take. I just don't want to get judged. I don't want to get criticized. I don't want to be told that I'm doing it wrong. So I just skip having any meaningful conversation with you. So... If two people are in that game, they need to realize, okay, we've accidentally sent the other person the message. Everything you tell me, I'm going to judge. So it's not really safe to tell me how you're thinking or how you're feeling or what you want. So we're going to break that by, we're going to talk each day about how, you know, what was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? And we're going to listen without any judgment. We're going to ask questions. We're going to pay attention. And we're not going to judge anything or tell anybody how to fix what they told us. We're just going to listen really carefully. Because the goal of marriage, for example, is when Jesus said the two shall become as one, not that we become clones of each other. It's that if me and Gwen are in our 80s looking out over the water from our little rocking chairs, I should be able to look at her and think, I know you almost as well as I know my own self. It's about a deep knowing. And so it means we have to decide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start practicing where we listen to each other just to get to know each other, not to judge it fix it, criticize it, or tell somebody why they did that wrong. So we can reestablish this is a safe place 
talk about what's really happening for us. Because you will go back to a safe place. Yep. But you will not go back to a scary place. No. So if I keep getting criticized by somebody when I see them, and next time I see them, they say, hey, Glenn, how's your day going? I say, fine. And I keep walking. You're playing it safe. Yes, exactly. Because I mean, you can't right. step into an arena where you're going right. to get your head shoot off. Right. I see so many adults who say, hey, Glenn, my kid comes home. I ask them how their day was. I get a monosyllable answer, and they walk off to their room, and they stay in their room. What's wrong with my kid? Teenager. No, no, no. What's wrong with your kid <laughs> is they learned, if you ask them how their day went, and they actually tell you, they're going to get judged or criticized or made to feel bad, and they've learned it's better just to not talk to you. So what you've actually taught them is that not talking to you is better than talking to you. And you need to ask yourself, what are the things I've been doing that might have been encouraging my kid to not talk to me? Because we have to start looking at the log in our own eye. We always have to start with, what's my part of that? Mm-hmm. Glenn Pickering's been my guest. Go to glennpickering.com. He has this fantastic offer. About midway down the front page is a offer to have a 20-minute free consultation with him. All you do is fill out a little form. There's no obligation. There's no nothing. He's not going to bug you. He just needs to know who you are and when you guys can connect. And that all happens at glennpickering.com. Glenn, th- thanks for being here. Oh, gosh. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right. That wraps up Hour 1. We're going to uh, take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Everett Piper is going to be joining me uh, right at the top of the hour. Can't wait for that. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.